Stop laughing. Dickholes. Please let that be the start. Hello and welcome to Gom Jabber with the Muadweebs. This is our ultimate episode of the final half chapter of this book of enumerated not numbered chapters of Frank Herbert's magnum opus Dune. We've been laughing and drinking and uh, overanalyzing our way through this magnum opus some chapters at a time, sometimes three, sometimes two, (laughs) sometimes one, sometimes one half. I am the host for the evening, Dr. Reverend Mother Lillian Gaius Helen Mahayam Banana Brislin. Uh... Keeper of the Sitch, Converter of the Water of Life, Fickle Friend of the Empire, and Shamer of My Son. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Alec Boyle and Josh Stevens, and our special guest, Andrew Mayberry. Uh, Alec, what's good? Not the last line of this book, am I right? I am Alec Boyle, uh, the Baron Harkonnen of this podcast. I would say I am to blame, but I died two chapters ago, so I really don't <laughs> have to suffer any consequences for my actions. Uh, and I'm going to turn it over to uh, El Troubadour. Wait, are you are you the Nah Baron now? Have you changed into a new body of a new Baron? Oh, no. can't be the old Baron. No, oh, man. I'm, a, I'm getting juiced somewhere. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> there, there are so many things that can be said about that right now, but yeah, juiced, juiced is the best one. <laughs> juiced, okay. Well, I, I'm Josh Stevens, a former of the Buff Group on Fame. Uh, I am our fearless troubadour, Gurney Halleck of uh, Bardstown, and um, I am no longer a man. I am now a creature of the Lizan al Oh, Ooh, no, no. Still, I'm still Gar. I'm Andrew. And Stilgar's the creature. You're still a man, Gurney. You don't gotta worry about it. I think we're both. I think we're both creatures. I'm feeling pretty creepy. Well, considering what your considering what your Baron does to you here in about ten minutes, uh, you sure about that? (laughs) Or I'm sorry, what your Duke does to you, not the Baron. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've done some terrible things to Josh. Yeah, well, he he doesn't. He he doesn't. He doesn't let me die at the hands of a Harkonnen. Well, he doesn't let you kill a Harkonnen. Andrew, introduce yourself. Y'all are you're skipping ahead. Why, um, this, y'all, this is why we need a reverend mother. Keep shooting yep, line. Yep. Uh, I am Andrew Mabry. I am the resident Stilgar, a devoted believer in all things Messiah-y about Paul. <laughs> For, formerly, Unshakable faith. Formerly man of the desert. <laughs> so we are back for part two of chapter 48, the final chapter of Frank Herbert's 1965 magnum opus Dune. Uh, and it's been a long journey. I sure could use a hatter snack. <laughs> oh, you set me up right away. Okay, I didn't. I didn't. Um, for my for my final hatter snack, here's the question I want to ask. Here's the story from my life. So my partner does not eat meat. I am uh, what I would think of as a cravitarian in that I we don't eat meat at home, but I really, y'all, I really love salami of all things of all the things for a mostly not meat eater to love it is for me for me it's a salami and normally i just get my fix kind of like on the fly my hairdresser makes fun of me because he's across the street from the best salami shop in town so sometimes i'll have <laughs> per salami when i go to the hairdresser and i'll share it with brad 
we have a thing. But during COVID, where are you going to get your secret snacks? And so I went to Trader Joe's the other day and I brought home like three packs of my favorite Trader I've mentioned Trader Joe's on the show twice now, but they have this three pepper salami that's really quite good, quite, quite good. And, you, and I hide it in the potato drawer where Greg doesn't go very often. Like we don't, that's, we, I hide it in the crisper drawer in our, in our <laughs> oh, in refrigerator where I was imagining an unrefrigerated drawer full of potatoes <laughs> in your house. And you're just like, Greg will never find my secret meat here. No, no, no. It's in the refrigerator, but we don't, it's like the, the least used part of the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. So that's normally where I stash my secret salami. So what I want to ask about is your secret snacks. So the Fremen have their secret water holds. There's all these secrets. Do you have a snack that you hide from your family, friends, or partner? I know everyone does. Everyone has their like Hmm. thing where they're like, I can't let, I can't let my kids know that I've got Reese's pieces in the house. They're going to eat them all. So I'm putting them in my sock drawer. So you mean besides all the canned wine in the toilet tank? (laughs) (laughs) And your drove gram, right? That was your secret yeah. drove gram crackers. That was a prank against nobody that I still wish you'd explain. Uh, when did, when, one day. Okay. When you're on the golden path. Okay, that's, that's fine. So do what's your secret snack? That you, your secret stash snack? Baron? Nope, somebody else. Okay, I'll go. Uh, so my kid has found my secret stash, which um, is Haribo Sour gummy bats <laughs> Andrew's bats, point at the camera was so emphatic the bat the bats are the best oh, and good. so yes. we may have yeah, yeah we bats, may have but... tons of haribo in the house yeah. the, the snakes you're talking about the snakes or the, some, the sour the sour I'm, bears i'm a favor of the i'm a fan of the bears personally but yeah i mean bears are good pretty much anything anything haribo is good but the sour gummy bears or the yeah the sour gummies are just mm. Have you had the twin snakes? Uh, I haven't had the twin the snakes. sour twin snakes? Um, the twin snakes yeah. are good. They're half sour, half sweet, but the bats are all <laughs> sour, and that's what I'm about. So, I, so like, all Candy the other... Candy Warehouse, if you're listening, we, <laughs> yeah. you should sponsor us. <laughs> all the other gummies, you know, they just stay in a place in the pantry, but when the bats are in the house, they go in the drawer yeah. of my desk, and then my kid comes home, and when he comes up to visit me after school, he asks if he can have a bat, and so... We we have our little our little hatter snack together. Ah, yeah. um, that's a good one. He's also a big fan of salami. Like I think he, <laughs> you and him would get down with the salami. Like he really only eats chicken nuggets and salami. It's probably the only meat I can get him to eat. So, um, yeah, no, uh, I think Asher would be a big fan of, of that. Um, we can hang, man. I'm a, I'm some gummies and some salami. Sign me up. Yep. Andrew, do you have a snack that you hide? Uh, not yet, but I mean, my daughter's four months old, so I'm sure there will be something that we both love equally that I'll have to hide from her. Uh, right now, yeah. I just plan on lying to her and telling her everything's spicy so she won't try it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I actually have another one that I hide from my wife. See, this is when you know it's real. When you hide it from your partner, you're like, mm, 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 mm. So we Mm -hmm. had this understanding for like the first five years of our relationship. She didn't eat nuts. And I was like, all right, cool. So I'd like, you know, I have my can of cashews or something. I'd be, you know, be able to snack on some cashews. You know, you get them. And uh, one day she tried them and decided she liked them. Uh Uh-oh. And it was hell. So (laughs) the next time I bought a can of cashews in our pantry, I took like 
a huge stack of canned goods, and on the very top shelf, I stacked up as many cans as I could and put the cashews on top. So they were like literally touching the ceiling of the pantry, the top left corner. And for those of you who have not seen me, uh, I'm six foot six. And my wife is five foot one. So <laughs> there was no way in hell that she could reach those freaking cashews. Uh, and I left them there for a while until she went to go look for the cashews and they had to take a picture and say, what the fuck? <laughs> So. That's excellent. That's you know. I feel like a good definition, like either a secret. There's three types of secret snacks. When you're ashamed of, or when you just don't want them to know you're eating. It's like you're not supposed to have it, or like in the meat house thing. It's like mm, you're just you know I eat salami, but you don't need to see me eating salami. One is like the expensive thing that you don't want to share. Like you spent your little you spent your little pocket money on it, and you're like, no 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 no, I bought this. This is mine. Sure, all our money is our money, but this was my money, and I bought <laughs> this expensive cashews. I feel like cashews are a good example of that. And then the third example is the thing that you what we talked about the last time, which is your anxiety eating thing, where if they get a hold mm. of it, they're going to eat all of it, and there's going to be mm. none left. It's not like they can have a little bit. So those are my three, that's my taxonomy of secret snacks. Yeah, that's like the thing that where you have to be like, can you take this away from me, please? Yes. So that you actually have more of it later. Yeah, yeah, please take this away. I would like to have more later because I can't control myself. It's fine that Alec is being super secret about his secret snack. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, welcome. I'm glad you've had this introduction to this very unsnacky conclusion to this chapter and this book. In no way natural transition, take it away, dweebs. Um, well, if we're gonna, right, launch right into secret snacks, uh, the very first thing we learn after the events we covered in the last chapter uh, is that uh, Gaius Mahayim is addicted to spice and she's gonna die if Paul kills it all. Right? He says, look, look, Emperor, your truthsayer is trembling. Well, we know that all the Benny Jets yeah. are Which could also just be well, Paul being ableist and making fun of an old woman. But. Well, I mean, all the, all the Benny Jets Reverend Mother have to have gone through uh, the one of life. Oh, it's just so, the Reverend Mothers. Yeah, because, I mean, Jessica's not... I mean, she knows the spice, but she... To my knowledge, she didn't have it until she was on a rockets. That's so true. She had heard right, about but it, she but had never not, had it. Yeah. Yes, huh. I mean that that's part of that's the right. uh, yeah, totally part of the right. upper so level BG sort of stuff is like, all right, here's the spice, let's have some fun. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna adopt a bunch of different okay. personalities. So we're coming off of the the major showdown over like I could destroy all spice production. The guild backs down, the emperor's like, What the hell? And then Paul cuts as you're saying, even your reverend mother is trembling. Um, and then they and have their face off, right? They have the, they have this really good face off. The movie line, of course, is I remember your gum, Jabbar, now you'll remember mine. Which he doesn't quite say in this one, but, uh... Where's your I know, gum, I can't Jabbar? decide which was better, because where's your gum, Jabbar? It seems really childish in this one. I had a hard time reading it any other way than, try your tricks on me, old witch, Paul said. Where's your gum, Jabbar? Try looking in that place where you dare not look, you'll find me there staring out at you! Yeah, it doesn't really land the way he wants. I don't know, again, I just don't I don't understand Paul's hatred of the BG. They made him. Yeah, um, I mean... I think it's the, like, you, it, the opposite of I never asked to be born. It's like, you didn't want me to be born. Yeah. And he's just still bitter. He is petty, 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 petty. Do, do we think that there's some decent psychology going on here and Paul is just lashing out wildly because his son just died and he's in pseudo-denial oh, of it. 
Oh, that profound trauma. Does he care? Glossed over. Does he give a yeah, shit? He can make another. It's fine. <laughs> well, the, the problem with the way Paul perceives time is that he's already living with his next set of kids, so he doesn't really feel the mm. pain of the first one dying. Mm. Because he never really, other than you know what he experienced with the kid as an infant, he doesn't have any memories of that child. I mean, it's that's an interesting. Thought. I mean, that's a horrible, yeah. horrible way to live because then you don't really appreciate the fragility of life. But I mean, I can kind of understand him just straight up ignoring it. <laughs> this comes back to my Doctor Manhattan worlds collide, and I don't know that if it's that he's living with the future children or or that he's in some like. I don't actually want to give Paul this much credit, but he maybe he fully understands the transience of life and is like, well, all lives exist for merely a moment. Some moments are shorter than others. Leto the second's moment was quite short. That would that would be a generous way of being like he's cold as ice. Before that, there is a line that I did tell you all to stick a pin in earlier, right? Yeah, what was that? Uh, which is where. The, Guy Mahayam says, well, Jessica, I see that your son is indeed the one. And this is a weird line. I see that your son is indeed the one. For that you can be forgiven even the abomination of your daughter. And what's weird about that is just like, why would Paul being the Kwisatz Satterach qualify Jessica for forgiveness? Like that, right? She didn't have a son because she thought he would be the Kwisatz Satterach. She had a son because she thought Leto wanted a son. The quiz at Satyrx just a bonus, as we've been led to understand. True. Well, I think the forgiveness is, and if they're trying to, I think the forgiveness is for having the son in the first place because she goes against BG orders. Right. No, I know, but like, but why does what? Why does Paul being the quiz at Satyrx qualify that act for forgiveness? Because that's been their whole goal all along. She accidentally gave them what they wanted. I yeah, that's, that's true. But also, they wanted her to have Alia. Right, but they didn't want her to have Alia and then give her Reverend Yeah, Mother, that's what right. <laughs> well, yeah, but if they want someone who's extraordinary, I mean, let's talk about extraordinary right here. <laughs> well, but this goes back to what, right? This goes back to what I said. Like, everybody in Fremen has started calling her a miracle. Mm-hmm. And it's. Mahaya is not the only person who calls Alia an abomination this chapter. Oh, really? I could be wrong, but that's my hmm. Okay, 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 okay. But wh- I don't want to betray my Betty Jesuit ignorance here, but what exactly did the BGs think the Quitsat Satterach was going to Quitsat was going to do? And that's why, a really good question. <laughs> like, why, when she realizes that Paul is he and he is Paul, do they, does she not, like, rush to his side? Like, she sticks by the Emperor. This is the most profoundly confusing thing. So they wanted this. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, what sidebar Dunedinia. The Dunedinia sidebar here is Laura Berlin's work on cruel optimism is a perfect example of this, where the object of your desire and your point of optimism is, in fact, the undoing of your very well-being. Continue, Alec. Folly. <laughs> yeah, no, continue, Lily. You can't just be like... That's it. It's a cruel optimism. You want this thing. You strive for it. You believe in this myth that's ahead of you. And so you structure your life around the American dream or the promise of a happy family or all of these things instead of grounding yourself in the actual reality in which you are enmeshed and like some grounded truths about yourself, your identity, your culture, the political economic context in which you're enmeshed. It is very funny that they were like, 
we want a dude who can rule the universe. And then a dude who can rule the universe shows up and they're like, yeah. oh, shit. Right. Not him. <laughs> Not that dude. Well, <laughs> I think it was the downfall of they were intending to identify Paul as a candidate and then basically take him away to be brainwashed in BG land. So, oh, they wanted the scrambly scramblies. So, well, Wait, but this brings up a really good point. So we talked about this earlier in the last episode, yeah. right? Part of the testing for that is doing a gum jabar, yep. right? That's first, yeah, first Paul's step. the first man to ever pass the gum jabar. Is he the first man? I, I, know, I know she says... I think that's oh, what... I, they tried and died, that's what it implies yeah. to me. Right, but... Oh, you think he's the first person Do women to pass take it? the gum jabar? Yeah. Yeah, and they all, like, most... Benny Jesserts take it. I think it. all Benny Jesserts take it. Yeah. I think that's the point Andrew's making. Is I don't I don't think you saying, I don't remember the very beginning of the book, but it's the is have all males failed or she was just making sure Paul understood the consequences of the test was like, hey, if you fail this you die. Because otherwise I mean Jessica has But that was just a test to see if he's Jessica a has royally betrayed the Atreides, even allowing him to take the test because he's the sole heir. I mean, Leto would have never allowed it if he knew about it. Right. Sure, but she could give him another, right? The I mean, point I was getting to, though, is if he passes the test and identifies himself as a potential Cosette-Serek, why did they let him go to Dune? Yeah. Which they knew was a death trap. Why didn't they pull him out then and bring him back to be under their control, if at all possible? That See, that's a real good question. Um, but hmm. you would think that they've planted all of these things on Arrakis to... Yeah, I mean, she said, you'll be safe. Like, she, she knew. Well, no, she even said, to make you sure and your survive. son will be safe for the Duke, for the for the father, nothing. She knew from the moment she sent him down there that he would be saved, that he wasn't going to die there. So she knew. Because they then, were in on the Harkonnen plot? Well, she, she knew about it because she's... Mm. She's been in cahoots with the Emperor... And one of the things that the Baron was afraid of was having to to see the Emperor's Truthsayer and reveal everything that he had done with the Emperor's help. To go behind their back. Mm. So did they think that Jessica was going to keep him in line? I guess I just don't understand why yeah. they let him out of their yeah. sight. I mean, the, there's... <laughs> it's, uh, one, why didn't Jessica just have some more kids with uh, the Duke? Um, so that... Well, she did. So that if... You know, they they identified a Alia. <laughs> well, you know, um, why didn't she you know have the have the daughter and then have some sons so the Duke had some religious pass on so that if for whatever reason, you know, one of the sons identifies like, Hey, this kid's past the first stage of testing, uh, they can pull him out of there without interrupting the the status quo. <laughs> I just wanna take a moment to appreciate that out of the four people in this episode, the two that are parents are like, eh, the kids are pretty much inter- interchangeable. You just have some more of them. <laughs> well, so that's interesting that you say that. But, I mean, if they wanted her to have a daughter to breed, to, to merge the, 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 the bloodlines, why weren't they just like, all right, you had a boy, now give us a fucking girl like you promised. Like, yeah. her having Paul doesn't prevent her from having the uh, girl that she's supposed point. to have yeah. for their plans. So why the fuck were they so pissed in the first place? Do they not understand how having children works? <laughs> I mean, they have the they have the power to determine hard. sex in in utero. 
<laughs> and they're concerned. She could have given him like like a whole yeah. bunch of kids and been like, "Hey, you have a boy? Do you have some girls? We'll test them all." Like you well, have some non-binaries. You have <laughs> some <laughs> like, whatever. So like, I, like um, I do not understand the BG breeding program and why they're so limited. I'm like, all right, you only get one chance at this. <laughs> like one, M&M one shot, and if you have one and it's not the one, the next ones are all garbage. Yep. We don't need any yep. of those. <laughs> make any sense i'm glad you you've gotten us there because yeah. that was important um, i like the mind melding between josh and andrew now we see the beautiful partnership that they have merged <laughs> off screen most of this season <laughs> we're like yeah yeah you're really good yeah but yeah bro <laughs> <laughs> That's we still are not sure why this is the conclusion which is what we started with to, to end where we began why is the Reverend Mother not rushing to Paul's side if she, yeah. if the Quintess Adric is what they've yeah, sought? We have no answers. Because Paul hates her? Well, uh, again, but why so. does Paul hate her? And why, yeah, it's, okay, why does she rush over? Even if, even if Paul does hate her, she should join him and be like, look, we may not like each other, but you're you're the right. one that was promised. Right. Can, can we talk about Quintess Adric, the shortening of the way, and how this could be a baking joke about shortening and way? <laughs> You want to... It comes right back to our headers. <laughs> Where's that's the joke? My, no, Is that's that my secret joke? snack. Yeah, no, I just I have a can of shortening and I just sprinkle whey powder into it and then eat it with a spoon. <laughs> and Emily doesn't some want any keto of it. Diet for some bullshit. Reason. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can't understand why she sure, wouldn't want that. <laughs> oh god. Please don't seek out that sponsor, Josh, for season two. <laughs> Shortening and way. Oh, that is definitely the shortening of the way is definitely one of our sponsors. Absolutely. Way short. It's a keto snack. It's little balls of hydrogenated oil. Let's yeah, let's do it right now. (laughs) Maybe it could be one of our own bespoke products. There we go. Gum jabber shortening of way. Yeah, we gotta we gotta start selling merch. The shortening of the way keto energy balls. Um, Alright, so he has his showdown. He has show, his showdown with Gaius Mahayam. And I don't love that he takes the crown down, but that's just me. I remember your Gamjabar, Paul said. You remember mine. I can kill you with a word. So that alludes to um, the line in the movie, right? Like, I have mine, you have yours, but his is a word. But it also explains how Lynch got to his name is a killing word. Like, I can follow the threads, too, to like... He, that there is a way to kill with the word. I'm just an if if y'all were the Frank apologist and the Paul apologist and the Duke apologist, I am the Lynch apologist or the enthusiast. It all makes sense to me. Yeah, no, I think it's a good adaptation of that sentence, right? Like it's a way to bring it onto the screen that otherwise would be almost impossible. All right, so we've 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 talked BG. Who's Paul pick a fight with next? Is this uh, is this Fade's music? No, the next he next he picks a fight with Shaddam because he's like, I'm gonna marry your daughter. Yeah, right. So they have this whole thing, right, where uh, he's like, Hey Shaddam, we both know a way to end this fight right now. And then Shaddam's like, Don't you dare, you don't even have a family. And he's like, You already said you already called me royal kinsman, thus acknowledging me as an Atreides. Um and then Arulan steps up and is like, No, I got it. <laughs> She's going to jump on that grenade. Yeah. Sorry, we got a little jumpy there. 
Got a little jumpy aroundy in the Zoom room. Mm. Oh, yeah, and then very awkwardly, Johnny's like, do you want me to leave? You can be with your new like, you can be with your yeah. new wife. <laughs> like, I know our kid just died, but um I'm still I'm still here. You know what's also awkward is that one of the things that Paul describes Irulan as, other than being like tall, blonde, and gorgeous, is not crying. Like that was a big selling point. <laughs> you get she, that? She, she knows how to stay observant like all natural writers in a you know hostile environment. She's she's a war reporter, man. She knows what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, but he's like he's like, you know, you're you're my you're my girl, Johnny, but uh you know, you're crying and she's not. So uh <laughs> you know. I'm gonna take her for now. You're you're still my girl. There's some gross moments where Paul's like, Hey, Emperor. Like he reads he reads the Reverend Mother Fulfilled, then he turns to the Emperor. Like he's just like Taking everyone in the room down. He's like, oh, yeah. fuck you, fuck you, Gurney, you're cool, fuck you. He's <laughs> like, we know how we could end this. Let me marry your daughter. And he's like, no, no, no. And then Paul says, I could, I could make it happen, right? He's like, I could force it, which again is really creepy. Like, <laughs> I could force your daughter to marry me. I, arranged marriages in this context are already gross but and then she jumps in and she tries to voice the emperor and he's like don't try your magic on me you witch just glad to know that the more things change the more they stay the same well I mean the emperor has never really uh, treated Irwan as in a loving fashion um, <laughs> right what did we learn in the earlier quote that they like all guessed who would be murdered next oh, yeah. among her siblings yeah I mean yeah yeah, lots of lots of palace intrigue, but I mean the BGs have groomed her to be the empress, and so she's like, "All right, this is this is my spot." And she's like, "Dad, hey, uh, if you want to stay alive, you're gonna let me do this." Yeah, and she's really good at. Um, this is how you know she's a BG, where she like understands the male ego and how to manipulate it. Where she, mm-hmm. you haven't he does, the emperor's not about it, and she says, "But here's a man fit to be your son." Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, she's Such... talking him up. Beautiful rhetoric, such a beautiful job. I was like, "Ooh, Irulan, yes, you are that bitch, yes." Oh, so that's all she's doing in all of these books is just stroking Paul's <laughs> ego. <laughs> well, and Shadams, yep. right? She's she's basically stroking everybody's ego to be. Think like... about all these words of wisdom that she's written that supposedly Paul said. This is literally. She's like, "Oh yeah, I did say that." She never said that. She just wrote it into his mouth. Or well, all, I, all of the shade we read into the quotes versus the titles of the books where she's like, no, honey, it's the like amazing, brilliant sayings of Muad'Dib. <laughs> Boy, wasn't yeah. he an idiot. Like, it really makes me <laughs> seem dumb. No, no, no. I said it was the immaculate utterings of Muad'Dib. <laughs> Babe. Well, bring it back to the context of that other quote where she talks about how her like dad was always murdering random siblings, right? She's like, oh, yeah, you got to <laughs> keep them happy or they will just kill you. Yeah. Right? Just because I'm about the, the female Empress. condition. Yeah. Like, just write a book every hour extolling their virtues, or they will jump your head off. <laughs> I like the Jessica oh, God, Shade in the Desert. and true. Yeah. I like the Jessica Shade in the Desert on the next page, where Paul, like, tells her, oh, uh, God, Mahayam is telling Shaddam that he's uh, got an agreement to place a BG on the throne, so he's got to use a Rulin. And Jessica's like, oh, is that their plan, Paul? And Paul does not pay 
right? He's like, isn't it obvious? And she goes, yes, I know it's obvious. <laughs> it was such a good moment. <laughs> oh, God. And Alex's interpretation of it is <laughs> spot on. It's <laughs> real good. Uh, the yeah. be- the verbal smack upside the head of like, <laughs> yeah. of course you dipshit. God damn, Paul. <laughs> are we sure about this, Muadib? Yeah, are we sure How we passed the Ganja bar? Yeah, <laughs> right. right. What did she load it? Was it a blank? Was the Ganja bar <laughs> shooting blanks when he took it? <laughs> There was actually no fire in the box. Yeah, all right, so just, all of this, we, we got to get to this. Yep, yep, all right. <laughs> all right. Oh, it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Oh, like a where'd it go? Okay. Where'd it go? It's gone. <laughs> it's the, the oh, got-your-nose trick except his hand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that all the Kasha bar is? It's just, it's just a thumb <laughs> stuck between your... Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Feel that pain? Look how red it's turning! <laughs> oh, wait. I forgot where I looked. Uh, Alec has his thumb in the camera for yeah. those of you who have not have your nose gone. Well, I didn't, actually. Uh, if we really want to be honest, I missed. <laughs> well, and then it's Alright, so he and reads then... everyone, and then he reads Fade. And then he reads Fade. He's like, Fade, come out and play! And, f- and then he figures out how to get Fade to call himself out. Yep. And Gurney's like, let me kill him, let me kill him. And then Paul yeah. pulls some extra, extra gnarly bullshit where he's like, no, I have more of a right. Josh is shaking his head emphatically. That is not happening at all. Oh, okay. It was Fade who got to decide when he invoked Conley. Yep. And when he said, when he yeah, said, yeah, but I Paul tricked him. To... What do you mean? Tricked say him? your piece. Say your piece. Say your piece. I don't think Paul tricked him. The plan all along was for Fade to try to kill him. Yeah. Paul had to figure out how to get Fade out of the Emperor's official protected uh, entourage. Yeah. And so he talks shit. He gets Fade riled up so that Fade's like, no, I call you out. And Paul's like, oh, I guess your boy called me out. I guess he's not part of your entourage anymore. He's got to come fight me. Yeah. How am I wrong? No, that, that's, that's, Thank that's you, the Andrew. Way I read it. I can't believe I'm I'm the tactician here. I can't even say the <laughs> yeah, word. Fade, the Baron rightly put Fade next to the Emperor as a last-ditch effort that if the Harkonnens failed, Fade would live. He'd he'd still take over Gaddy Prime, and he could right. deal with shit on the back end. Then, yep. right, for sure. Paul just goes, "Isn't there a, is there a Harkonnen with you?" And he's like, "Yeah, but you can't touch him because you promised us all." You know, safe passage if you come talk to us. And he's like, yeah, I was just wondering if there was an Arconan there. I mean, yeah, and then it, I mean, yeah, it may not that that protection may not actually apply to Arconan, but you know, it it could. And then he's like, well, the, and then the so him and the Emperor are just having some words about whether or not there's an Arconan there. And then, um, but Fade can't take it. Fade, wait, exactly. Fade like Fade is a star, man. He's he has to have adoring fans. He's he, staying. Yeah. But Fade would have found a way to make this fight happen either way. Well, he I want to get. But I want to get back to, but to Lily's point about Paul being a dick. That's where <laughs> I want to bring this back to. Because, By all means, go so on. So Canley comes out, but Paul could have let Gurney take the fight. Yeah. Like there's no reason, yeah. no, no law of Canley that says your retainers can't be. You can't have a champion in the fight. But Gurney says, "My lord, you promised me my day against the Harkonnens," and Paul said. You had your day against yeah. him. 
so cold. Yeah, okay, he does Such say that, but he move. also says there are strict rules of Conley, and that implies that he doesn't really have a choice. That once Fade has has decided that he doesn't want to fight, no, no, I mean, that there are strict rules of Canley passage is about the Emperor saying, "Yeah, you can have your Canley fight, but if you lose, you've lost." I thought if you lose, you've died. Well, but not if he sends Gurney to do yeah. the fight. Mm. Yeah, there, like there are ways for like, you know, the Emperor's basically geriatric. Fenring would be who he would send <laughs> right. in a fight for Canley. Also, in my mind, when I was picturing Fenring, I was picturing a like, uh, not quite Stanley Tucci-esque elderly gentleman. Like I was picturing a bald guy who was slight of figure, not a a nimble man in his prime that could fight Muad'Dib. So I was way off. I was way off. Uh, you don't think Stanley Tucci can fight? I mean, <laughs> Tucci time is real. Tucci time? That's so, our new sponsor. So wait, is your, is your argument that Paul tricked uh, Gurney? That Paul no. tricked Fade? Or that, the, that Fade and the Emperor tricked Paul? Because Paul that's tricked- more what it seems like. Paul Paul, Paul goaded yeah. Fade. He didn't yeah. trick him so oh, much yeah. as okay. goaded him. Yeah, he, he did go to Fade to make this sort of thing happen and says, I've yeah. got someone who wants, I've got a man here that wants to kill our Conan. But then their plan was, well, are you going to let, are you going to put this the whole universe on the line if, by giving it to, to uh, by putting this all into Gurney's hands? And then Paul's like, Oh shit! I probably need to do this myself because I'm better at this than Gurney, and that's when he started being a dick. Like, well, Gurney, you did have your chance, and uh, I'm better at this than you. That's why I'm going to take care of it. I see. Didn't okay. Gurney uh, basically teach him everything he fucking knows? <laughs> yeah, but Gurney's not a Quizette Satirac. Yeah, I mean, Gurney, right? Paul only wins the fight because he both knows what's yeah. coming and is immune True. to poison. Mm-hmm. So if he had let Gurney do it, Gurney probably would have gotten poisoned and died. Yeah. Um, so this was this and was called and if this fight didn't matter the for the future of the jihad, then he could have let that happen. Let Gurney had his battle, but, but he was like, no, this fight actually matters for things. But yeah, I mean, also the emperor doesn't need to worry about goading him into the fight because when he says there's strict rules to Canley, he's saying if your man takes this fight and you lose, you've still lost. Well, so that was him trying to get Paul to put his life on the line or no. have the worst fighter fight, which gives the Emperor a better chance. Either way, the Emperor likes the Emperor. Um, sure. Not quite. I th- that, so well, unless Paul wins. I read that as that is the Emperor asserting power. Because if Paul decides, fuck this, we're killing everyone here and I'm just going to crown myself Emperor, he has the power right there on the rockets to do it. The Emperor is saying, hey, if you lose, uh, this whole thing doesn't fucking matter. You lose. Um, basically, which goes against you know, every, every military, every military fiber of my being is like, <laughs> if you have the power to dictate terms, just dictate the fucking terms and move on. <laughs> yeah, and that's a really good point because Paul's already like, I don't give a shit about your your. I will destroy the rules. spice. Yeah, I don't give a shit about destroying all the spice and killing everybody, and I don't give a shit about the deal we made about not killing uh, killing anybody in your entourage because it's our Conan. I might just kill him anyway. Paul doesn't give a shit about any of the rules. Why does he give a shit about I that? Know. You're totally yeah, right. It's you have all of the power and all of the leverage. You do what you're gonna His do. Been, I'm gonna kill the Conan anyway. <laughs> 
uh, and I'm going to change the rules. Yeah, the other thing is that, like, I feel like if there was a way out of the jihad, it's probably Gurney losing the duel, yeah. right? And if Paul right. really wanted that, that's what he would have sent, what he would have had happen. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of things that Paul... Just bring us back to our earlier point that Paul does not, in fact, want to stop no. the jihad. Well, now <laughs> I gotta go find the quote the that you asked me to find earlier. So let me see if I can... So I was like, okay, Paul but so he calls, he calls uh, Fade out. Yeah, there's they like fight. three pages of fucking negotiations before this fight. Negotiating the fighting. Right? They, they strip down to their BVDs. They fight. There's poison. There's secret jabbers. There's feints. There's Can we shields. talk about the clothes underneath Paul's still suit, please? Is he naked or does he have Jesus jammies or what is he wearing? Well, how's he shitting into his still suit if he's wearing jammies under there? Right. <laughs> Is he naked? Is this a is this a naked sting versus it Kyle doesn't Lachlan say fight? it's naked. He claims it's. I think it explicitly says that there's clothing under there, just like there was clothing under there back when he fought. Uh, maybe Jesus. maybe it's so a, that that implies to me that he is flap? wearing. Yes, I butt think flap? he has an exposed butt. Otherwise, he's wearing like <laughs> some <laughs> sort of silk undergarment. Combat yeah. chaps. Combat, combat chaps. He does his whole fight bare ass. From tech, from yep. tech combat chaps. That, yep, you got it, nailed it. <laughs> that's. I can't wait to premiere that content on our social. That's that's what I was trying. That's what I was trying to go for the sponsor this week. I think Phil New is going to get it right. <laughs> from tech chaps. I'll I'll make I'll make a note of it. Yeah, Vilnius is going to get it right. The, this scene in Dune 2027 is definitely going to be Oh my god, I, I can't wait for the whales of all the 17-year-old girls who see Chalamet's booty. <laughs> or it's like old-style bloomers where the, it's like a, um, you know, I, I'm trying to gesture with my hands and I don't know how to use the a words. A poop pouch? There is a, there's a split down the middle that when, I don't know how it would work in a still suit, but you can split it. There, okay. Um, yeah. For camping enthusiasts, I do not myself have a pair of these, but especially for women, there are undergarments available that don't require you to bare your whole ass. That you sort of mm. part the part the seas, if you will. Well, and I mean honestly, okay. there there's got to be some sort of colostemic situation involved in a still suit, yeah. right? Like you can't just be like <laughs> pooping into your rubber pants. <laughs> And then hoping that the suit takes care of it. Is it like a proctal exam? Like it's just like, all right, all right, all right. So they fight. They fight. They fight by fight. Fight, fight, fight. Paul gets poisoned. Paul gets poisoned. Paul gets poisoned, but he can transmute it because he's Mm -hmm. Paul. Mm -hmm. Jameis gets on top. Jameis tries to top Paul. Paul waits for a weakness. Paul tops Jameis. Or not Jameis. Fade. I mean, yep. fade. I like that you're just throwing fair. shade at Fade, calling yep. him Jameis. This is pretty, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty bit. accurate, though. Mm-hmm. You like his little hip dart? I like this little hip dart. Yeah. yeah. It's not as homo- homoerotic as I had hoped for, but a girl can dream. And then Fade's dead. I don't know that there's much more to say about that. Yeah, I mean, um, the, the, I think the most interesting thing about the whole fight is that the Emperor's knife had poison on it. Right, which oh, they just, planned for it. Yeah. Right, which means this mm-hmm. whole thing was constructed well ahead of time. Oh, beyond sure. Fade's hip dart. Well, it just the other thing to say is it is old school Atreides hubris, where Paul gets into the situation. He's like, "Oh my god, plans within plans <laughs> within plans." Almost like those mm-hmm. metaphorical like, no, doors. Sh- <laughs> yeah, right. 
or maybe three. I know that's pushing it for your terrible prescience, but come on, dog. <laughs> you didn't expect a little poison? You've got 20 <laughs> words for it. You've got so many words. He's been There's in gotta... the desert too but long. But he can see the uh. now. <laughs> right? What's the word for knife poison versus hip dart poison versus tooth poison? Chumarky versus tooth murky. Oh, my God. Versus dart murky. Right? Isn't that how it works? You put murky at the end? And then what? So Fade's dead, yep. and they're like, oh, okay. And then. Yeah, I think then the most interesting thing is that then Paul's like, you can still be emperor, just on Seleucus second. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, you're going to be emperor in He's like, name. I'm sending you back to Little Rock, motherfucker. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And and he says he's gonna so Faye dies and then everyone's like oh I guess this is this is what it is since says the emperor can go back to that and then he says he's gonna make Seleucus so II a soft world yeah what is what does that mean a he's gonna get rid of the prison planet aspect of it or he's, he's a not prison let- abolitionist and he's actually a radical racial equity advocate <laughs> who wants to. <laughs> Deconstruct the prison industrial complex for the empire. By ac- accidental. Yeah. Accidental. Yeah, have you met Paul? <laughs> yeah, there's no way. He'd, he'd turn it into a G. No, I think he's 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 more he's threatening the emperor with a comfortable planet because that will destroy his, his military masculine energy nexus. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I was just a girl can I dream. Know. That's yep. this episode. A girl Paul. can dream. A, a girl BG can, can dream. dream. Paul, Paul's not that kind of messiah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's remarkable restraint that Herbert left the wedding negotiations off screen. Oh my god. Ooh. <laughs> like, you know he gamed that all out oh, in yeah. his head, right? Except <laughs> Paul's ultimate power movie is like, what do you. A, dowry still exists. <gasps> and. What if they like, didn't? And Paul's just like, you're going to give me one anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Paul's just like, I'm retrograding this shit. <laughs> Uh, and his dowry is literally all of Chum. I own Chum yep. now. I know. I have Chum. all of the Chum bucks. All of the and, Chum and, bucks are my and, bucks. And Gurney's in charge of yeah. Chum bucks. Yeah, yeah. Gurney's in charge. They're called the Paul the, bucks now. He's the now. head of the fat, the Chum fat. <laughs> They're called Muadib bucks. <laughs> anyway, Josh, what I mean is, uh, he dropped his arm, faced his mother. You will negotiate for me, mother, with Chani by your side. She has wisdom and sharp eyes. It is widely said that no one bargains tougher than a Fremen. And then whatever they discuss happens off screen. Yep. I gotcha. I was just thinking about this whole negotiation for all the chum bucks, and I figured that was some negotiation. <laughs> right. That, the, yeah. I think there was a fight with the editor, right? The editor was like, no wedding <laughs> negotiations. He was like, you got to let me get chum in there. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, because then he owns Chum and the Chum rag is up on the flagpole, so he's got Arrakis. Y'all, we have never explored this idea that Alec just introduced. What are the things that the editors took out? How many sphincters? How many expositions? How many? How many desert powers? How many desert? Oh how yeah. Much, how, how much uninformed more... desert ecology? How many more segments from Savers of Paradise? Oh, how how many more he who can destroy a thing controls a thing? Like he's already said it like eighteen <laughs> times. In five how years. many more livid, luscious, 
indulgent descriptions of booty or boot camp theories yeah, were we so denied mm-hmm. booty or boot camp and although and i have the not last, read this them this is the last one Nick, by making it soft he brought back booty it's or boot it's true camp. he did sneak one last <laughs> i've given you so much booty you'll have no more boot camps ever there it is and then he says soft even he's like oh arrakis Aragus will get pretty booty, but we're gonna keep some boot camp. We're still gonna <laughs> yeah. turn the faithful. We've got, yeah. we've still got our, our boot camp here on Iraq and the the bootier. <laughs> I'm so delighted that we've come full circle. <laughs> and then we start spiraling towards it. Like my eye keeps slipping towards it on the page, but yep. I don't want to get to it before. Like I feel I like Josh probably has some more things to say. Maybe I do. So then Paul's like, I'm in charge now. You get a title. You get a title. Gertie's in charge of Sean Bucks. This, you get this, you get this. I don't know who's going to Caladan. Everybody. Chani, what do you want? She's like, I don't want anything. I just want to love you. She's like, that's my ride or die. And then he's like, Jessica, what do you want? She's like, to be the fuck alone. Get away from me. He's like, fair enough. He's like, here's Caladan. Have fun. <laughs> right. I mean, if she wants to be alone, she's got a mother's dream. Her four-year-old is totally self-sufficient. Okay, her her, her 18-year-old is leaving the house. She married him off. Her four-year-old doesn't need any supervision. She is an empty nester with a four-year-old. This is a mother's dream. (laughs) You're so right. She's like, that's why she doesn't know. She's like, uh... I don't know. She doesn't have to deal with the Duke Duke anymore, and her son's the emperor of the known universe. <laughs> this is a cushy job. Like, she's set. She don't need she's... shit. She just wants the reins of Caladan. Yep. She's like, I want to I go home. I just want to find myself. I just want to, like, read some romance novels, yeah. drink some white wine, <laughs> maybe take a Pilates class. Get a little groove back. Right. Mm-hmm. Take a lover. Have a paramour. Y- you think that when she gets back to Caladan, she puts the up she one and of Gertie those, hook she... up. Absolutely, is that not where you were going with this? I mean, it could still tie in. I was gonna say, you know, those little tents that you can have like kids put on their beds and stuff, like so they can pretend like they're camping in their bed. I was like, you think, you think that she like just dreams of her her Dune dudes days and just puts like a sphincter tent like on her bed? No, I think she no, rejects that. I don't think yeah, she, she does. wants to forget as much of that shit as possible. I don't think that's the sphincter she's playing with, Josh. I think Jessica takes a three-hour shower yep. every day for the rest of her life. <laughs> you, think it's, you think it's Gurney's? Ooh, boy. He is the king of home now. Ooh, boy. <laughs> I know. I mean, he does. Yeah, He's the sole surviving desert daddy. Yep. From, from the... From the or yeah, pre- from, he's from the sole surviving daddy, period. They're still still, they're still, still yep. That's true. They're still Stilgar. Yeah, he's the surviving original. He's the only Caladan yep. daddy left. He's but... only, he's the only original parade of daddies. Yeah. No, they're getting it. And then uh, and then there's that little line where she's like, where Frank explains why Arulin wrote all these books. Oh yeah, uh, go, let's go into that because that was really good. Was it? <laughs> Wasn't it? <laughs> she was forced. She I has. Think I, had great... a th- I think I had a thought on it. Where is it? Where's the line? Five six twenty three. It's like the third to last line. They say she has pretensions of a literary nature. Let us hope she finds solace in such things. She'll have little else. Yep. It's ba- it's basically, it's, I know, it's cold as fucking It's basically ice. Paul saying, I'm going to totally ignore this bitch I just married. 
It's so and, bad. And so this is her protecting both her reputation and his, right? She's like stroking his ego, making him look questionably good, but also it makes her look good if she's married to this like sweet dude who says all these cool things. Like she's really working <laughs> up the reputation. She's like, I can't let it be known that I'm married to this guy who won't even look at desert me. rat idiot. Who won't even look at me. She has to be like, act like she's intimate with this guy. Through her writing, that she knows all his wisdom, right? And he's like a cool dude and not a piece of shit. Like, where is the fanfic that is the alternate reality where if Paul actually got stabby stabby by Fade and Aruan ascends to the throne with her with insight? Fade? Yeah. What? Aruan and Fade? Is that what you're talking about? No. Oh. oh, I was thinking of her as an independent empress. I wasn't, I actually never thought about that she would be. So well, Paul gets killed, but but fade. this is this is Frank. It it's it's dudes. This is all about the dudes. Yep. Fades the other. Hey, if we if we thus concludes this, this series of Dune dudes. You can't even act like you're surprised by that level of misogyny, given the line we're about to discuss. Yep. All right, so this brings us to the natural conclusion of this episode and this book. Alec, please. Uh, Thank God it, Chani. That princess will have the name, yet she'll live as less than a concubine, never to know a moment of tenderness from the man to whom she's bound. While we, Chani, we who carry the name of concubine, M-dash, history will call us wives. (laughs) The greatest I, I don't think Jessica understands title. how history works. You could be Siege upon a lady <laughs> of the Siege. Uh, wife. Wife. Nada. I have... This is my entire fucking quarantine is this book. I thought I'd read it before. <laughs> Clearly I have not. Clearly I dreamt that I read this book. Um, 600 some pages. To end... Uh, that shit? Yep. The the the, the greatest like... thing for any woman to hope for is the affection of her husband. Yeah, never so... mind the fact that she is otherwise in charge of the known universe. If a man doesn't love her, what's the yep. point? God, Frank. Yeah, and it's hard to decide which of those is right. Which is worse? Saying that Irulan will be unhappy forever because Paul doesn't love her? Or that the great reward... For Jessica and Chani. And it's just like, if this was a line a page earlier, I'd have been like, yeah, that's a stupid line, Frank. Whatever, let's move on. Right. But he ends on it. (laughs) He ends his whole 600 goddamn page book on it. He chose to stick a 623-page landing on Ooh. that sentence. Ooh, let me let me let me apologize here. Let's <laughs> okay. that one up here. Tread here carefully. Here we, here we go. Here we go. What? And this is, I'm thinking this this right out of out of Boyle's playbook. What if? <laughs> what if Frank is just setting us up for the final downfall of the patriarchy? By just bringing us down so we can get a real nice high later on in the later books. We gotta wait like four or five books. That's classic abuser mentality, Josh. (laughs) You need to decolonize your mind. He's doing it for my own good. Also, this is a product of me watching all those cult documentaries. When the lows are lower, the highs are higher, Lily. 
Oh, God. So bad. You know, we'll never know because Frank died before he could finish the series. Maybe that was how the final book yeah. was. Yeah. I think that's where he was going with all of this. I, I mean, women are not just a it. spoil of war. Right, but our contribution to history is not our ultimate designation as wives. But wait a second. I mean, Princess Rillan was basically just a spoil of war. Yeah. Yeah, she was a pawn. Yikes. You just talk yourself out of your own defense. She was literal property. I mean, He's like, by yeah. acquiring was this property, was, she was I chattel have... transferred from the hands of the emperor to the hands of Paul. <gasps> to yes. be fair, to be fair, what? to be fair, uh, <laughs> Paul had to be convinced. Paul had, right, the emperor had to throw in a little cash on the hood. Oh, no, no, True. that's... All That's of just the, literally all of the money. That's just tradition. The I, the IRS. <laughs> yeah, they, I, they, true. OPEC IRS had to all of them off. You know what? Seeing as this is the final episode related to the main chapters of this book, I quit. I quit. I mean it. It's over. This. I'm so mad. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe I'll come back next week and we could talk about appendices <laughs> because I think Leah's there and, you know, Leah can get it. So <laughs> I, am, I am, after all, only a woman. <laughs> Not yet a wife. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, Josh, that's what history will call her. That's yeah. true. History will history call you will, a wife. History will they, call me a wife. When they write yep. the history of the Lexington, Kentucky Municipal Waste Department. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be known as wife. You've probably already been misrolled at some point already, right? Like some newsletter oh, or publication. Yeah, just called you. My favorite things, though, when they come in are to Dr. Brislin, Dr. and Mr. Brislin. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm like, ooh, they know me. They know how to get me. It's it's the smart people. That's how they dress them when they want me to donate money. Dr. and Mr. Brislin. <laughs> <laughs> well, Josh, do you have any more things? Yes. Yeah. I feel like we, Frank really took the wind out of our sails. I feel like I do. I was, I've been lying where I got the claim that he was. Oh, yeah. I don't remember yeah. that line. So you might have overread. I mean, if I got to bring it back to I might have overread, but I, I... My dweebs, my dweebs. We have come to the natural conclusion of the regular chapters of this book. It has been a whole... Not a whole. It has been some pandemic of a journey together that we started this. Jesus, did I not think that would be the case when we started. So <laughs> here we are. I thought we'd be watching a movie right now. Boy, are we not. Maybe we'll rewatch the Lynch classic, but we still have a few appendies together. So as your host for the evening, or the day, or the afternoon, or the three in the morning when you wake up with an anxiety sweats thinking about how am I going to get through this winter, you're not alone. You're with us. Gom Jabber with the Mood Dreams. Join us next week for the appendices of this first episode. Thank you to Andrew, our special guest. Brilliant, as always. Provider of the insights to Josh. <laughs> We're getting it straight from the source this week. Uh, Thank you to our sponsors who have sponsored this novel for us. Thank you to Sneaker Snape Sniper, Fremtech for their Sphincter Tent, the Dune Trailer, Space Bags, and their their Division Space Clocks for their Benny Desert Timepiece. Lily, do you remember the name? Oh, Melanchonet. (laughs) Melanchonet. Yes. Yes. Yep. And we have to give an extra special thank you to Hellman's 
for not suing us. Hellman's the makers of Melanchonese. <laughs> yes, not to be mistaken with Melanchonese. We always if we bring Dude, up Melanchonese. We have to make sure we're clear. It's not Melanchonese. <laughs> that's Hellman's. Um, also, coming soon from Fremtech, um, <laughs> for the Fremen creature in your life, Fremtech Combat <laughs> Chat. Uh, thank you to Chomecut Pro, Gurney Halleck's Greatest Hits, Volume 1 and 2, Beach Recruiter, Dougal Mood, Dunesta, don't use Dunesta, also known as Melanchopam, if you are allergic to Dunesta or Melanchopam, and we won't even talk about the side effects. Uh, coming soon to you. Y'all get uh, on that. Way, it's so no good. Balls. Also, thank you to Trader Joe's for all of Dr. Ramblam's Secret Salami and all the other header snacks from Trader Joe's and from uh, Candy Warehouse. Uh, thank you to Shram's Meat in Fernell, Michigan, Wolf's Ridge Brewing in Columbus, Ohio, and Little Fish Brewing in Athens, Ohio for all of those uh, liquid assets you've imparted upon us. Um, don't forget about the coupon code SANDRIDER if you want to get some free shipping from Shram's Mead. Thank you, James. Um, yeah. Yep. Uh, so thank you, thank you to all of our sponsors. We we really appreciate you keeping the lights on here at Gom Jabber. We would not be here without you. We'll catch you next week in the appendices. Later, nerds. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I know the song. <laughs> Wait, was that our theme song? <laughs>